7. The book of Jeremiah, chapter number 37. Certainly desire your prayers for help tonight from the Lord. I realize, as we've said already, we can't do anything without Him. We need His help. We need His touch tonight. I appreciate all the times and days gone by that He's met with us and helped us. And I'm looking for some help from Him tonight. There'll be no help found unless He shows up and does the helping. And uh, I've been praying about the service tonight and uh, have this scripture on my heart the last couple of days and uh, just a very simple thought that's on our heart tonight. I want to try my best to be mindful of the Lord and give you that that He's put on our heart and to pray that it'll find its lodging in your heart and help you and uh, strengthen you in these days that we're living in. Jeremiah chapter number 37, when you found your place, if you're able and willing, we'll stand together. Of course, by standing, we're just showing reverence and honor to the reading the Word of God. I want to begin reading in verse number 1 of Jeremiah chapter 37, and we'll read down through about verse number 17, then try our best to give you what's on our heart tonight from the Lord. And King Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, reigned instead of Kenai, the son of Jehoiakim, whom Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, made king in the land of Judah. But neither he nor his servants nor the people of the land did hearken unto the words of the Lord which he spake by the prophet Jeremiah. Zedekiah the king sent Jehucal the son of Shelemiah and Zephaniah the son of Maseiah the priest to the prophet Jeremiah saying, Pray now unto the Lord our God for us. Now Jeremiah came in and went out among the people for they had not put him into prison. Then Pharaoh's army was come forth out of Egypt, and when the Chaldeans that besieged Jerusalem heard tidings of them, they departed from Jerusalem. Then came the word of the Lord unto the prophet Jeremiah, saying, Thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, Thus shall you say to the king of Judah, that sent you unto me to inquire of me, Behold, Pharaoh's army, which is come forth to help you, shall return to Egypt into their own land. And the Chaldeans shall come again and fight against this city and take it and burn it with fire. Thus saith the Lord, Deceive not yourselves, saying the Chaldeans shall surely depart from us, for they shall not depart. For though you have smitten the whole army of the Chaldeans that fight against you, and there remained but wounded men among them, yet should they rise up every man in his tent and burn this city with fire. And it came to pass that when the army of the Chaldeans was broken up from Jerusalem for fear of Pharaoh's army, then Jeremiah went forth out of Jerusalem to go into the land of Benjamin to separate himself thence in the midst of the people. When he was in the gate of Benjamin, a captain of the ward was there, whose name was Elijah, the son of Shelemiah, the son of Hananiah. And he took Jeremiah the prophet, saying, Thou fallest away to the Chaldeans. Then said Jeremiah, It is false. I fall not away to the Chaldeans, but he hearkened not to him. So Elijah took Jeremiah and brought him to the princes, 
Wherefore the princes were wroth with Jeremiah and smote him and put him in prison in the house of Jonathan the scribe, for they had made that the prison. When Jeremiah was entered into the dungeon and into the cabins, Jeremiah had remained there many days. Then Zedekiah the king sent and took him out. And the king asked him secretly in his house and said, Is there any word from the Lord? And Jeremiah said, There is. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. I'd like to preach tonight if God help me for just a few minutes on a word from the Lord. I thought about the scripture here and if we study the book of Jeremiah and the context, what's happening and taking place and the times that Jeremiah's living in and writing in and preaching in, it would almost parallel, I think, to our day. Jeremiah lived in a day of great iniquity among the people of God. Jeremiah lived in a day of rebellion among the people of God and a day when the people of God had turned away from the Lord. But I am more interested in the fact about Jeremiah's day in what we're told in verse number two where the Bible said that neither he, talking about the ruler, the king of the land of Judah, neither he nor his servants nor the people of the land did hearken unto the word of the Lord which he spake by the prophet Jeremiah. It was a day when the word of God was thought very little of. It was a day when the man of God was thought very little of. Matter of fact, they thought so little of the man of God that even after his warning about what was going to come to pass, they beat him and put him in prison because they didn't like to hear what the man of God had to say. I look around in these days and it seems like that we're in the day where people are not pleased with what the man of God has to say from the word of God. Paul told Timothy there would come a day such as there is in our day a time when they would not endure sound doctrine but would heap to themselves teachers having itch and ears. Now you got to look at the word of God and look at the punctuation in that verse. It is not the teachers that have the itch and ears. There's a separation of punctuation between teachers and having itch and ears. It is the people that have the itch and ears and they seek teachers or people that will tell them what they want to hear. The word itch means to tingle. It means to tickle. It means to want to be pacified and that's where we are in this day of the majority of the people that assemble in local congregations and so-called churches a desire to have a man stand over them and tell them not what they need to hear, not what they should hear, but what they want to hear. It's not ever been any different among the people of God. Oh, I know we're in the last days 
I understand that. The last of the last days. I understand that there are time, the times that have come upon us that Paul told Timothy the perilous times would come in the last days. I understand that Paul warned Timothy and tried to exhort him and encourage him about the situations of the last days. But really and truly, the want and not want to hear what God had to say through his man has not changed all down through the history of people. I remember a time in the Old Testament where a king wanted to go to war with another king and he wanted to seek a league with the king and that king feared God and the other did not and that king that feared God came together over that one that did not fear God and he said can we inquire the Lord and that king brought in his paid prophets and always tell him what he wanted to hear and that other king that feared God and knew God said is there not a prophet of the Lord that we may inquire of him and that king said that didn't like God and that didn't like God's man. He said there's one here by the name of Micaiah but I hate him. And the reason he hated him he said for he always he never prophesies good things concerning me. In other words he said he don't tell me what I want to hear. And we're in the days today where the people are more interested in what they want to hear than in hearing a word from the Lord. But I want to say and God began to deal with my heart about this just sip a little thought in this verse here when trouble came now the king didn't care too much about God when there was no trouble and the king didn't care too much about God's man when there was no trouble and the king wasn't too interested in what God's man had to say when there was no trouble but when trouble came the Bible said he sent secretly and took Jeremiah out of the prison and asked him is there any word from the Lord and Jeremiah said there is I began to think the word from the Lord will do more for you than anybody else's word. There's a lot of people that are interested in hearing what man has to say. There are a lot of people today that turn their tail. And I'm just going to preach tonight. If you'll pray for me, I'm going to try to bear my heart and give you what's on my heart today. But there's a lot of people that have turned on the television and they want to hear a word from Washington. Or they want to hear a word from the White House. Or they want to hear a word from Congress. Or a word from this one. Or a word from that one. They can't wait to get to the bookstore to buy the latest novel by the highest paid author and they want to hear a word from them but how many people in our day really, really want to hear a word from the Lord? There's no word that'll do you like His word will. Now I understand when we talk about the word of the Lord, we can talk about this blessed old book right here. I'm going to tell you, there ain't no book like this book. There ain't no book can speak to you like this book can. My Bible speaks about itself and says it's quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It'll pierce even the dividing of soul and the spirit. It'll get down in there where nothing else can. Man's books will affect your mind and that's as far as they can go. But I'm glad God's book's got an edge on it to go deeper
deeper than the mind and deeper than the thoughts but I'm ready to pierce the soul and the spirit of a man and speak what no other word can speak in this day I thought about what does a word when we get a word from the Lord what does that do for us there are many things according to scriptures that a word from the Lord will do I thought about here in this verse if we read just what's happening here in this text, in this chapter of the word of the Lord has come to Jeremiah and he's told him now the Chaldeans had come against Jerusalem to burn it, to take it and the Egyptians had come and they had come to try to aid the people of God at this time there was a league between the king of Judah and the king of Egypt and they had come to help but Jeremiah said you better tell them when Egypt goes back to where they came from, the Chaldeans are going to regroup and they're going to come back. And they're going to burn this city with fire. Now you say, that's not much of a word from the Lord. Well, if we go on and study, we can't just stay in this chapter. We've got to put it in its context and keep going. Jeremiah spoke to the king and he said, this is of the Lord. And he said, you better not fight against it. But he said, you'll surrender yourself to the king of Babylon and not fight him and go with him. He said, you won't be killed. Your wives won't be killed. Your children won't be killed in the city. Well, not be burned with fire if you just do what God said for you to do. He said what was happening, the word of God was giving counsel about what to do in the times around us. That's what the God's word was doing for the king and for the people of God. God was giving wise counsel. God was giving right counsel through his man about what to do in the times ahead. We look around in these days and I understand I'm not belittling anybody. I'm just preaching what's on my heart tonight. Uh, uh, we look around these days and people say I don't know what to do. And I understand there are some times and there are some situations where we get in such a shape uh, that we don't know what to do. Uh, but I wonder when the last time is uh, that we saw the word from the Lord uh, to tell us what to do uh, to give us counsel in the times that are at hand. Paul told Timothy, he said, now, Timothy, in the last days, perilous times are going to come. And he began to go off on all that list that you and I know, and not just do we know it, we look around and we see it in our day, happening all around us. Men are lovers of their own selves, or they're covetous, they're boasters, they're proud, they're blasphemers, or they're disobedient to parents, they're without natural affection, or they're unthankful, they're unholy, or they love the creature more than the creator, or they would rather worship the stump and the stock, is what my Bible said, and they turn the image of the invisible God into four-footed beast and creeping thing they drug a tree out of the forest oh, the Bible said set it up and said thou art my father and thou art my mother we're in those days today right. Timothy I believe and just got it in my, eye, in my mind and my mind's eye looking at Timothy as Paul's a writing Timothy's just getting lower and lower and lower just like the message that come from Jeremiah it might not have been a popular one nobody wanted to hear that when the Egyptians leave or when your helpers leave the Chaldeans are coming back and they're going to take the city he said there's no way out but in Paul's day he told Timothy Timothy there's no way around this it's going to happen but in the midst of it all, he said, but continue thou. 
in the things which thou hast both learned and hast been assured of. I'm glad in these days when we look around, I'm telling you we're in days and we can't do anything about it. But we cannot stop it. It is here. It is upon us. We knew it. It was told us in the word of God. But I'm glad we can still have counsel from the word of God how to act in these times that are at hand. The word of the Lord came to Zedekiah. And his counsel came to Zedekiah. But Zedekiah ignored the counsel. And if you read in the latter part part of the story, Zedekiah is captured. He tries to flee. He does not do what God told him to do. And they capture Zedekiah and they capture his sons and they kill Zedekiah's sons before his eyes and then they put out Zedekiah's eyes. So the last thing that he ever saw and the last thing he ever would see was his son's lives being taken right before his face. And the whole reason that happened is he ignored the word of the Lord. You say, well, preacher, that's the Old Testament. Well, let's go to the New, Acts 27. Paul's a prisoner on board a ship. They are wanting to loose from where they are and find somewhere else because that haven they were in was not commodious to winter in. It was not a safe place to be. It was not the place to have a ship in the winter time. But yet the word of God came to Paul and Paul delivered the word of God to them. And he said, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage shall be with much harm and loss, not only of the ship but also of our lives. And God said, We better not go. But the Bible said that Master Centurion and believed of the master and the owner of the ship more than those things that were spoken by Paul and so feeling the south wind blow softly they straight sail and suppose they obtained their purpose they launched out but not long after they arose against it a tempestuous wind called Eurachodon and it beat into the ship that word Eurachodon, if you look it up, and I know it may not mean anything to you, but if you look it up in, this, in, in its original, it speaks about the direction the wind was coming. This was not a normal storm. This was not a storm these boys had encountered before. But if you look at it, it would be a storm that would, the wind would have blew through. If you look on a map at the Mediterranean Sea, on, on the west end, there's a, a thing called the Straits of Gibraltar, and the wind would have come through them straits. It would have Magnified the thrust and the force of the wind and blew it over that lake. And that is why they were in the shape they were in in a storm like they had never been in before. And the reason they ended up there is they did not heed the word of God. I'm going to tell you in these last days, the word of God is still speaking to us to tell us how to behave ourselves, how to conduct ourselves. It's still in this book even though we live in 2022 and nobody wants to hear it and nobody likes to hear it. We're still to be a separate people. We're still to come out from among the world. We're still to be holy as He is holy. We're not to look like the world, act like the world, dress like the world, talk like the world, go the places the world goes. We're to be a peculiar people and that word peculiar does not mean strange. It means a personal property, a personal belonging. It means that we belong to Him and as such we ought to be different from those that don't many people in this day have went their own way many people in this day have ignored the warnings I wonder tonight I'm just preaching tonight. I'm trying to hurry off this one and go on. But I can't get past this one just yet. I wonder how many tonight have sat 
in churches all across our land and heard the man of God preach a word from God, a warning from God about where they were headed, about what lied ahead for them, about the shipwreck, that they didn't change their course for sure, to meet them and their family about the destruction that was before them, about the road that they were headed on and its destination was not favorable and it was not good, but they ignored the counsel of the word of God and they faced shipwreck. Lord, help us. The Word of God will give you counsel on how to act in times like these. I thought about other times that the Word of God, and there are so many times, if we were to go through the Bible tonight and take every time that the Bible records the Word of the Lord came, we'd be here for months. That's how much God spoke to His people. You say, we're not in that day. Oh, but He still speaks. He speaks through His Word. He'll speak to you in private time. He'll speak to you through the man of God when He preaches in the power and the unction of the Holy Ghost and God's word still has a word for us in these days and it does for us what no other word can do. He gave them counsel on how to act in them days. But then I thought about, you know, how many times are we reading the word of God when adversity comes? What do we do when trouble comes? Oh, I'm glad the word of God will give you courage in the time of adversity. Oh, I thought about, you know, Elijah over there, when he called fire down from heaven. I mean, you'd have thought everything was wonderful and great and grand. God had showed himself to beat God. They took the prophets of Baal and the prophets of the grove down to the brook and they threw them there. And the brook ran red with blood, sent a message all the way back to the hometown that God had won the battle and God was God and nobody else. And then Jezebel, that wicked ruler and wife of the king in Israel, said if God do so more to me, if I don't make Elijah like them by this time tomorrow, and Elijah got word, and he went running and hid himself in a cave, and he wished to die. Just one chapter between, just from one chapter to the next, but times of adversity had come. Now I'm going to tell you, sometimes the chapters of our life are not very far separated out. One chapter of our life, we're on the mountain like Elijah with the fire falling. And the next chapter, we're in the cave wishing to die with our forefathers just like Elijah did. It's to show us it was written for our admonition, our example, our understanding that we are all flesh and blood. James said Elijah was a man subject of the like passions as we are. He felt like we felt. He went through things that you and I go through. And so it's no different for him than for us and at one time we're on the mountain and the next chapter we're in the valley Elijah said I just want to die he said I'm no better than my fathers they've killed all that were before me he said Lord just go ahead and take my life now the Lord said Elijah this I will to be here go home and read it and he says the same spill again he said I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. He said, now they seek my life. He said, I'm no better than my father's. I just want to die. The Bible said that in that cave, he said the Lord sent an earthquake, but the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. And he said the Lord sent a, 
a strong wind, but he wasn't in the wind. He set fire, but he wasn't in the fire. But then the Bible said a still, small voice. See, Elijah felt like he was all alone. That's one of the greatest times of adversity in the life of the people of God is when we feel like we are all alone. Have you ever had days where you felt like that you were all alone? It's happened to the best of us. It's happened to all of us. We all have days. And we all have times that we feel like we're all alone. The Lord said, Elijah, I want you to get up from here. And he began to tell him some names. He said, I want you to anoint this one king and this one king. He said, I want you to anoint Elisha, the son of Shaphat, to be prophet in thy room. Or in other words, he said, when you're gone, Elijah, somebody will be there to take up where you leave off. You say, what was God saying? He was telling Elijah, it's not over. And some days in our life, we just need a word from God to give us some courage to let us know that it's not over and God's not over and God's not dead. He said, I've got thousands that have not bowed to me and have bailed nor kissed his ears. He said, get up. They need the man of God. Sometimes in our life, I don't know about yours, I can only speak from my own experience. Sometimes I feel like I've been in the cave where Elijah was. And I felt like I was the only one. I was the only one trying. I was the only one serving. I was the only one preaching. Now I knew I wasn't. And Elijah knew he wasn't too. But that's just how I first feel sometimes. We just feel like we're isolated. We feel like we're all alone. Because of the circumstance. Because of the situation. Because of the storms that have come in. And our time of adversity. We feel all alone. But I'm glad in those times for a word from the Lord. To give some courage when it's needed the most. If you feel like you're all alone, you need a word from the Lord to let you know you're not alone. Even if there was no one else, God is right there with you and He'll help you through. He made us a promise. In this New Testament age that we're living in, if you're born again, He said He'd never leave you and never forsake you, go with you all the way, even to the end of the world. He would go with you. Sometimes I just need to, I don't know how you are, and I don't know how you feel at times, but I'm satisfied you feel just like I do at sometimes. And you need to be reminded that He'll go with you even to the end of the world. You need to be reminded that we're not alone. I'm glad for the times that God's picked me up when I was on the bottom and let me know that I was not alone, not just was He with me, but there were people of God that were with me and backing me and praying for me and that cared about me. I'm glad for a word from the Lord to give us courage in adversity. What about comfort? Do you need some comfort tonight when you're tossed about? I thought about the Apostle Paul in Acts 27. I'm about done. When he's there in that storm and they've been days, some 14 days, and they ain't seen the sun or the stars. If we really understood what the Bible was telling us by telling us that they could not see the sun or the stars, they had no idea where they were. They had no way of knowing. They just could guess. But their best guess was just a stab in the dark. They had no idea because of the storm that they were facing a storm that they had never seen before. They did not know where they were. Nor how to get out of the shape they were in. 
Paul said, even Paul himself said, all hope that we should be saved was taken away. Paul said there was a time that the storm got so bad that we were tossed up. You go to the scriptures, Acts 27, said that they were driven up and down in Adria. They weren't staying in one place or just spinning around in the sea. They were going up and down and back and forth. It made it impossible to know where they were and impossible to get control. And Paul said it got so bad that we were tossed about so bad that it looked hopeless for all of us. I remind you of the chapter before Paul and this is how our flesh works Paul had already got a word from the Lord and told him he would stand before Caesar and that's where this boat was going to Italy to the Roman Empire where Caesar was but the storm came. And he got tossed about so much he forgot the word of the Lord. I'm glad when we get in there, I don't know about you, but I have been there where I knew what I was supposed to do and I knew where I was supposed to go and I knew where I was supposed to be but the storm had tossed me about so much I'd forgotten it had been put out of my mind. All I could focus on was how bad the storm was. Not the word of the Lord. Aren't you glad that when we get in that shape, God don't say, well, I already told you once. You ought to just make it through somehow. I'm glad God don't do that. But God sent His angel down to where Paul was. And he didn't beat on him and he didn't rebuke him. He just simply reminded him again of the words of the Lord. And Paul got new strength. Paul got comfort in the midst of being tossed about. He stood on the ship and he said, Sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God. It's hard sometimes to take him at his word when the storm's tossing us about. But if we can ever get a word from Him, if He'll ever visit in our storm, if He'll ever come walking on the water like He did for them disciples that day, when they were obeying His command and trying to go to the other side, but He knew when He sent them forth that the storm was coming, He just wanted to show them a voice of who He was. And that he had power over the sea. See, we live in a day where this, we got a crowd out here preaching that every storm that comes in your life is because you've done something wrong. But that's not according to the scriptures. We got a crowd that believes, and I, I don't, I don't want to run no rabbits or get off on the wrong foot here. But I really feel compelled in my spirit to say this: We believe a crowd. I got a crowd out here that believes that every storm that comes is a result of the devil. We give the devil too much. I understand that he's powerful. I understand he's a real enemy. But I've heard people say that when hard times come on God's people, that it had to be the devil. When we look in the book of Job, you say, "Wait a minute, preacher! It was the devil that touched Job. It sure was." But it was ordained of God for it to be so. The devil couldn't touch Job unless God gave him permission. The devil came and presented himself before the Lord to give an account of himself because God's sovereign and God's the supreme ruler. And the Lord is the one. It wasn't the devil. It was the Lord that brought Job up. And the Lord said, Have you tried my servant Job? That there's none like him in all the earth. 
a perfect man, an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. And the devil said, well, Job just fears you for naught. Put your hand forth and take everything he has, and Job will curse you to your face. God knew it wasn't so. But God showed the devil it wasn't so. And God brought Job through. You say, that's an awful harsh thing for the Lord to do, not when you read the end of the story. See, the Bible tells us we know the story of Job. We know the end of the Lord. Go home and look it up in the Scriptures. That's what the Bible said. We know the end of the Lord. It's not written about the end of Job. It wasn't Job's end. It was really just Job's beginning. The Lord looked at the end from the beginning and He knew that even though Job had hard days and troubled times, the Bible said in Job 42, 12, that Job was blessed better in the land than he was in the beginning. His friends, so-called, try to come. They're like this crowd today. They said, Job, you've sinned. You've done something wrong. Job said, I have not. And they tried to convince him and they tried to make him a liar. Job said, your physicians with no value and clouds without rain. He said, you're not doing me any help. They said, well, Job, evil's befallen on you. And Job said, no. He said, can you not see the hand of God is in all of this? And the old statement is true. Sometimes bad things, hard times, difficult situations come upon good people. My Bible tells me that all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Peter said that if any man suffer as a Christian, he doesn't say suffer according to sin or because he's done wrong. I'm going to tell you something tonight. If you're suffering, if the judgment and the wrath and the chastisement of God is upon you for your sin, you will know it. There will be no question. There will be no doubt. You will have, I heard people say that something's wrong and I'm trying to search and find out what I've done. If you don't already know, if your Father in heaven's not already revealed to you, it's not because you've done something wrong. Sometimes it's just the hand of God. God don't leave us questioning. I mean, if we think about Paul wrote about our earthly parents that they chastised us and the, and the benefits were temporary. And I thought about earthly parents. I try to never. And I've heard others say, I've heard Brother Tim talk about his dad. We was talking about him before service tonight. He was a great blessing to me. I preached a lot of services in his church. And he helped me a lot. He was a blessing to me as a young preacher and as an evangelist. He was a blessing to me. And I heard Brother Tim talk about how Brother Ross would always tell them why they were getting the punishment they were getting. And I've tried my best to talk to my children. My wife does the same. I try to explain to them and tell them why they're being punished, what they've done. And if we care enough about our children to do that for ours, how much more does our Heavenly Father care about us? He won't whip you without telling you why. You say, well, God's a God of love. He is. But that's not his main attribute. His main attribute is holiness. And he'll not violate his holiness for love. He'll not violate his holiness for compassion. He'll not violate his holiness for mercy. Everything God does is governed by his holiness. 
And so when we read that story of the prodigal son, I don't know why I'm on this, but I feel like I need to be, and I'm trying to get off and go on. When we read that story about the prodigal son, I'm not trying to add anything to the Word of God, but if that is the parallel with our Heavenly Father and how He does for a child that's gone astray, you better know and understand that somewhere in between the lines there was some punishment that had to be. He didn't do it publicly. God didn't operate that way. But you can guarantee there's a time there was a woodshed experience there was some rebuke there was a personal chastisement for the son that went astray God don't bring you in front of the church and lay open your sins before everybody and wear you out in front of everybody that ain't the way it works I don't do my children that way I remember as I went through training to be in the position that I'm in in the school and through the curriculum that we use that one of the greatest things, one of the biggest points they drove home was you're never to correct a child in front of its peers. You're never to bring up its faults in front of its peers. You're to always take it aside. It doesn't make the punishment any less forceful. It actually makes it work even greater for it to be just you and the one that's done the wrong. You on their level are speaking to them personally about their sin. That's the way God does for us. When we're tossed to and fro, I'm glad a word from God will give us comfort in them times. And there's a whole lot more I could say, a whole lot more I thought I might say. I won't close with this and I'm done. I thought about last night, I was just sitting there and kind of looking up at the ceiling, asking the Lord what He wanted for tonight and to help me. I knew I had this verse on my heart, but I wanted Him to speak to me. And He brought that Scripture to my heart. When the Lord said, told Peter to launch out in the deep and let down his nets for a drought, Peter said, Master, we've told all night and we've not taken anything. But them next few words are what really matter. He said, Nevertheless, at thy word, I'll let down the net. And the Holy Ghost gripped my heart last night. He said a word from the Lord knows where to cast and how to catch even when you're tired from all you're trying. Oh, they've been days. I'm ashamed to admit. But they've been days I've come in this place and other places and I didn't feel like preaching. But I'm glad at His Word. I'm glad He knows where to throw the net even when I'm tired from all the trying. That's what Peter was saying. He said we are told. That word told means to have no success. It means fruitless labor. It means to be weary and exhausted from trying. Peter said we have tried and tried and tried and it's not done us any good all night, Lord, we've tried. But he said nevertheless, thy word, just his word, where to let down the net. And the Bible said immediately they enclosed a great number of fishes in so much that the boats the boat started sinking. They had to beckon their partners to come and help them to get it back to the shore. Peter fell down at the Lord's feet and said, I'm a sinful man, Lord. I'm going to tell you something about a word from the Lord. It'll reveal to you who you are. Oh, it'll convict you and grip you. But oh, I'm glad 
there's some comfort and some courage and some help to be found in a word from the Lord. I could tell you time and time and time again that I found what I needed in a word from the Lord. I remember one instance in particular, and I'm going to say this, I think, and then I'm going to close. I remember one instance in particular at another church I was filling in for a period of time. Most all of you know this situation, the circumstance I'm talking about. And I'd been gone. I was preaching there most of the time. And then when meetings came and I was fairly busy, by the blessing of the Lord at that time, and I'm not tooting my own horn, I'm just trying to tell you the story. I'd been in Kentucky preaching, helping and being a part of a camp meeting. And I knew I had to preach Wednesday night where I was filling in. And so I got in the car after Wednesday morning service in Kentucky and drove all the way home about six hours. I got home just in time to wash my face and change. My wife had different change the clothes. I changed my clothes, got my Bible. I tried to pray. I tried to study. Tried to spend. I was all by myself for about six hours and tried to talk to the Lord about what He wanted for that service. But I will be 100% honest with you. When I got out of the car, I didn't feel like going to church. I'm talking about just physically now. I didn't feel like preaching. I didn't feel like changing my clothes. When I got to church, He said, Preacher, when you got to church, it had to get better. No, I still didn't feel like being there. I still didn't feel like preaching. I was tired. You say, that's awful, preacher. I'm just being honest. Just like Peter was. He said, Lord, we're tired. And we've tried all we know to try. But, but nevertheless, Lord, if you tell us, we're just going to let down the net. Now I remember walking in the pulpit that Wednesday night. I don't remember when it was exactly. I, I know it either had to be in April or October because that's the two times of year that the meeting goes on. I remember walking in the pulpit and I didn't feel like preaching. But all of a sudden, there's a word come in my heart. And I turned over there to the book of John. And I began to read about Jesus and His conversation with Nicodemus. And except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. And I don't remember all I said that night. I remember not long ago, I was flipping through a Bible. And it's the one I preached out of that night. And there's a, a little sticky note still in my Bible from that night. And I don't know what all I said. But I remember some of the things. I remember saying that a church membership wasn't good enough. And just a change of habits wasn't good enough. But you had to be born again. And I thought that I really... I mean, it, I tried to bear my heart, but I was tired. And I began to I asked for the congregation to stand. Over here on this side of the church was a young man. I don't know how old he was. A teenager, I think. I watched him slip out of his seat and come to the altar. And the church had been praying for him for some time, even before I come along. And that young man got born again. And later I got to help baptize him. And it was all because a word from the Lord. It wasn't because I was the preacher that night. God could have done what He wanted to do without me. But it's just at His Word. At His Word. I don't know where you are tonight. You may be tired and may feel like you're tired of trying. But won't you just try one more time? 
Maybe inside of you, you prayed for that one for so long, you feel like you've given up. You're just too tired to pray. Why don't you just pray one more time? Why don't you just go see them one more time? Why don't you invite them to church one more time? You say it won't work. You never know. Uh, Peter probably thought in his mind, uh, we've passed right here all night and it ain't done no good. Probably won't do no good this time. Uh, but we're going to do it because the Lord said to. And when he did, it paid off. Now I'm going to tell you something tonight. Following the word of the Lord will always pay off. I don't necessarily mean that He'll put money in your bank and pay your bills and all that. Oh, I believe God will take care of you. I've seen it firsthand. I know too much about His care to deny what He does. But it will always pay off to follow the Word of the Lord. I don't know where you are and what you need tonight, but I do know this. Wherever you are, whatever you're going through, whatever you feel like you need, you can find it in a word from the Lord. Father, I thank You, Lord, tonight for the privilege and the opportunity to have been able to be in Your house with Your people tonight. I thank You, Lord, for each one that's come and for their presence in the house of God. I thank You, Lord, for the Word of God and for the portion of Scripture that You've directed our heart to. Thank You, Lord, for the simple thought that You laid upon our heart. And I pray, Lord, that it's been delivered into the hearts of the hearers. Lord, that it would go much